Hello everyone, this is Canadian Cutler and you're listening to NFL Up North. Today is actually my first episode and we are going to talk about Tua. Obviously I have been throwing some shade at him on my main page, but I do recognize his situation and I know it isn't entirely his fault. Uh, In the episode, me and my buddy Zay are going to go through each of his games, kind of talk about what he did well, what he can improve on, and addressing mistakes he made or mistakes that his players or the offensive coordinator Chan Gailey made. Uh, We're also going to discuss other rookie QBs in their own situations and draw some comparisons. Lastly, we're going to come up with some projections for how the Dolphins situation may change uh, via the draft, free agency, etc., and how successful Tua and the team will be next year. Alright, hello. This is the first episode I've done on NFL Up North, and uh, today I got my buddy Zay, and we're going to talk about Tua. So first, we're going to go through kind of each game, uh, and I'm going to ask Zay what he thought about each game, um, and see, you know, what Tua actually did wrong, and what was more on, like, the offense, or Gailey himself. Uh, Chan Gailey is the offensive coordinator for anyone who doesn't know. And now we'll start with his first start, which I think is going to be pretty simple. So what I basically saw from that game is kind of like it's his, it's his first start. Uh, he's, a, he's a rookie in his first game, and it's kind of just a defensive showdown. The Dolphins' defense kind of dominated that game, but Tua did what he had to do um, as a rookie in his first game going against Darren Donald. What did you think about that game? Um, well, I mean, in Tua's first start, obviously, against the Rams, uh, I want to say that it was a pretty defensive-led game, and I feel like that kind of gave his team the boost, knowing that he was starting. Like, okay, let's uh, let's kick this into overdrive against, you know, a pretty solid offense against uh, Cup and Robert Woods and Jared Goff, and um, you know, Tua didn't really have to do very much. However, I think in the moments that you know he did have the ball in his hands. He was pretty decisive, and he didn't make a lot of turnovers. And that's that's kind of been the common theme throughout his his entire t- tenure at the, with the Dolphins, and even with his, you know, his time with the uh, Crimson Tide and in, in uh, Alabama, because that's like his probably his best feature or his best trait. He doesn't turn the ball over, and um, I think that uh, that that game easily could have been decided if the Dolphins had another turnover. He had a a forced fumble by Aaron Donald on his first drive. But other than that, I mean, he played a pretty solid game. Uh, Yeah, I agree. And honestly, the forced fumble with Aaron Donald creating that was kind of like a given. You're a rookie QB. Aaron Donald's going to rip through your offensive line and get him at least once. Tua did do a really good job protecting the ball against a defense like that for his first game. And I think that's kind of been the trend with Tua when you watch him play is people like to pick at him a little bit, but it's like he protects the ball well. Um, and he did that in the Rams game. Uh, I also want to, I'm just going to, we're going to go through every game. Uh, just a little bit, and I'll ask you your opinion and stuff like that. The Cardinals game, he looked really good. And I think the Cardinals game was Chan Gailey's offense kind of at its best. Uh, you know, he kept moving the chains. Uh, he was taking short to intermediate passes. He was moving the ball well. But I think that even in this game, even though Tua played really well, it was kind of like the start of like me noticing personally, like Gailey refusing to push the ball down the field with Tua. I think, I think the... Um... 
yeah, he pushed the ball down the field, but that's not really what the focus of of Chan Gailey, Chan Gailey's offense is. And I feel like that was really a struggle between uh, Tua and Chan kind of the entire season. It's like, okay, Tua's best strength is pushing the ball down the field. I mean, he is accurate. I mean, he's probably, even as a rookie, he's a top 10 accuracy QB. He just stands in there and slings it. But but the thing that I noticed, uh, particularly with Tua in this game, was the awareness. Now, that front seven, that front seven is kind of mean over there. And, you know, I think Tua, as far as, pushing the ball down the field, was able to take advantage of the the front seven moving within the pocket. And I think that's kind of what helped him to do that. Moving within the pocket is something that, you know, he, he has shown very, very, very much progression in, during the course of the season. As you could tell, like the first game, off rip, you know, he got, he got the, uh, that strip sack. But he really, really has bounced back. And you can see from the way he was moving up in the pocket, getting outside, you know, shifting his hips. But remember, down the stretch, those two big runs that he had, they weren't very they weren't very long. But just to get outside of the pocket and get a first down, my goodness. I mean, he, he was pretty impressive in that game. Uh, I would definitely agree that the Cardinals game kind of highlighted, like, the strengths of Tua and what he can do when he's on his game. But again, like I said, I feel like it kind of showed a little bit Gailey's reluctance overall to throw the ball down the field, but Tua looked good despite that. And game three, I honestly didn't watch this game much, so I'm going to delegate to you on this one against the Chargers. Dolphins beat them 29-21, looked pretty decisive for most of the game. Tua had less than 200 passing yards, but he did have two touchdowns. Um, so what were your thoughts on him in that game? Um, I think everyone wanted to see... Uh... A Herbert versus Tua game, and they they were kind of pissed off when they didn't get it. Uh, I want to say Savon Ahmed was the start of that game, though. Uh, if I remember correctly, he was tearing them up all all the game, um, and I think Tua had what a passing touchdown. That was uh, that's when he got his first. No, no, he had two passing touchdowns, but he had like 180 yards or something like that. So it was a pretty like management kind of game for him. Yeah, I remember. I remember because I didn't. I didn't want. I watched the game live, and I remember the defense tearing Herbert up. And I feel like it was a defense, a Miami Dolphins defense versus Herbert, not Tua versus Herbert. And it, it was pretty much a blowout from the start. And they, you know, they got some garbage time points. Yeah, so it was a pretty. The first three games are pretty easy because it's like rookie start, Tua plays well, and then. It's the Miami Dolphins defense versus Herbert and Tua is just managing the game. Now, game four against the Broncos, I have a lot to to say about that one because this is kind of where the narrative starts where it's like this is Tua's second game under 100 passing yards and people are starting to kind of label him as like, okay, well, he can't push the ball down the field. Uh, This is the first game he got benched for Fitz too. So here's where that stupid cycle comes in. So I have a few things to say about that game. The offensive line was horrible that game uh like there was missed assignments um they just weren't blocking very well uh the play calling and this is where it really became noticeable the broncos game was very conservative uh, gailey very rarely wanted to push the ball down the field or let to a throw it down the field 
Um, the Broncos defense was bringing pressure the entire game and was tight in coverage. I watched almost all of Tua's dropbacks in that game, and in nearly every dropback, the Broncos were covering everybody very well. There was no separation. Tua did what he was supposed to do in pretty much every dropback. Now that I've watched it, it looks bad when you see 80 yards and a touchdown, but when you actually watch, Tua did everything in that game that he could, despite the fact that the Bronco, the Broncos were bringing so much pressure, his O-line was playing so bad, and his receivers were playing so badly. Um, there was a play where he actually avoided the pressure perfectly and threw a nice deep ball down the field. It was about like 40 yards to Jakeem Grant, and Jakeem Grant just didn't even track it. And that's going to go down on the stat sheet as like nothing like people aren't even going to remember it and if they do they're going to remember it as the deep ball that Tua couldn't make um and one negative I noticed from that game that's an actual negative and not <laughs> Tua through for 80 yards or whatever was on this phantom play that got called back it wasn't really a great call but uh Tua tried to force the ball to one of his receivers I think it was just past the flat and Justin Simmons was still kind of lurking a little bit to the left. Now, in college, you don't really have Justin Simmons, so you can force those plays and, and get some yards off of that. But Justin Simmons kind of read it perfectly, popped in, got the interception, which was eventually called back, and there was no interception on the stat sheet. But that's one thing I noticed with Tua where he has to work on is he has to know that he can't quite do as much as he got away with in college because there's so many good NFL players. But overall, this game... I feel is just the start of kind of the bullshit narrative that I've noticed people created for Tua, myself included on my page, but it's mostly just jokes. Now that I've watched the film, it's clear it's just a BS narrative. So what did you think about the game? I think probably pretty similar to me. Something I want to point out in particular is <clears throat> the play, uh, uh, the Jets game, because I'm going to get back to the, the Broncos game. And this kind of brings me to my whole Fitzpatrick point, is that if you watch the game that Tua started against the – I'm sorry, Fitzpatrick started against the Jets, you will see that that offense was mostly the same. Uh, that that little RPO stuff, those bubble screens, that is Chan Gailey's offense. It just so happens that when Ryan Fitzpatrick comes in the game because Tua isn't playing quote-unquote well, you have to throw the ball. You ha- you're down, scores, maybe one, maybe multiple, but you have to you have to come back and you have to lead a game-winning drive. Can you do that by running the football? No. Can you do that by having five-yard slants? Can you do that by having you know RPO or bubble screens? No. You have to force the ball downfield. And now you see the decision the decision making and the difference between Ryan Fitzpatrick and uh, Tua. Now, Tua did have a, a one pick in, what, three quarters, but Ryan Fitzpatrick threw, threw a pick on that last drive. And whether it was a fourth down or whatever, he made a bad decision. And I, I feel like that's always going to be seen as, oh, uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick needs to bail Tua out. No, the offense needs to change. And you can't do it by dinking and dunking down the field. Now, he did what he was asked of him, like you said. And um, I think we got to give to a lot of credit because that front seven is is also pretty good with Bradley Chubb. I think – how many – well, Bradley Chubb had had himself a game. Justin Simmons had himself a game as he got the game-winning pick uh, versus Fitz. And 
You know, they just wanted it more, and you could see it because our our offense gave up, you know, so many dumb third-down plays that just shouldn't have happened. We kept them in the game, and I, like I said, like I say all the time, no quarterback loses a game, okay? Uh, the team loses the game, and that team lost the game. I 100% agree. Uh, and yeah, also I agree with you on the Fitzy thing. He didn't come in and save them or anything, which is why I think the narrative is so funny because the first time Fitzy came in, he didn't really do all that much either. He turned the ball over in the end too. Um, and Tua was just doing what he could do. And it's funny how magically, uh, Gailey started running crosser schemes and the player actually got open when Fitzy started playing. But when I watched Tua play against the Broncos, there's literally nothing open all game. Like, I don't know what people were expecting from him in these games where i've watched and the narrative has been spun but other than that yeah i think we can really bronco agree the broncos game wasn't really well indicative I, I, one thing even in those short routes you should be able as a nfl wide receiver you should be able to get separation and the dolphins were unable to get any separation even in those small routes yeah so even even if that is the offense you can't blame receive. You can't blame Tua for receivers not being open. Oh yeah, I, I agree. Not- I, I've I've watched like film where Jakeem Grants ran like a two yard like flat uh, down the middle of the field, and Tua's throwing him a perfect ball, and somehow Jakeem Grant fumbles this ball for three seconds and then finally catches it and falls down it's like dude if they're laying up a perfect pass for you and you got like 10 yards in front of you you're expected to take that like 15 yards down the field but i i feel like to his whole season is made up of just gaffes by his receivers and offensive line that kind of get pinpointed on him um and we'll get to the bills game but the bills game is kind of finally the perfect beautiful destructive example of what happens when the whole team falls apart and then you try to pin it on the quarterback uh, but anyways, I want to go over the Bengals game real quick because this is one of my favorite games from Tua. Um, in the Bengals game, he had nearly 300 yards and only one touchdown, but he had a 100 passer rating almost and was very good. Uh, in that game, he showed me a lot of his great intangibles. Uh, he showed me his anticipation and awareness. He had a really good intermediate pass, I think twice to Gasiki, where Gasiki was not even open yet. Like the linebacker was over top of him and Tua laid this thing in perfectly. And I'm like, even guys like Dak struggled with anticipation. Like Dak in his second year was throwing to people when they were open. Um, I noticed that two is pretty comfortable in the empty formation and he can improvise kind of like Russ, but Changeli kind of refuses to to run that for the majority of the season. Uh, and he showed me in this game that he's actually quite good at handling pressure, um, but he's simply been under too much of it this year. The offensive line hasn't been great. Um, and other than that, really, he played like a clean game. He showed he's good as an intermediate passer. He showed he has great awareness. Uh, he showed he had great poise. Um, he had multiple tight window throws that were further than 10 yards down the field. And this game just kind of showed that Tua is a good passer when you let him pass the football. And he, he kind of, he diced them apart. It doesn't look like it. When you look at the stat sheet, it kind of just looks like an Alex Smith game. But it, he looked really good if you watch him play. Um, do you have the number of, of uh, completions to targets in that game? Uh, no, I do not. Hang on, let me see here. Bengals... Dolphins. I know he had a 67% completion percentage in that game. Right, and that's a that's always been a big thing. 
I mean, especially this season. So let's see here. Uh, he was 26 for 39. 26 completions for 39 attempts, 296 yards. I mean, it doesn't it doesn't really get much better than that. And, you know, Tua is just making the right decisions and doing what he can with that offense. If he gets one touchdown, okay. They had 19 points. They were playing the Bengals. They could have – they only needed eight points to beat the Bengals. So – Needing, you know, needing to score a billion touchdowns isn't really his game. Whether you want to call him a game manager or not, you know, he makes the right decision. He he, he won. That was it. But the thing is with him, too, is you know he can push the ball down the field, but that offense really restricts him from doing so. I've, I, I remember watching him. I saw at least, like, eight pretty passes that he made that were perfect, that were either dropped, intercepted, or not tracked. And it's just completely changes the narrative of Tua to from this p- passer with so much upside and a beautiful deep ball to this game manager who won't put it down the field. You know how many comments I've seen on Instagram where it's like, Tua can't throw the ball down the field. This is really going to hurt the Miami Dolphins offense because he's a horrible deep ball. And it's like, well, no, you've only seen him throw it 15 times down the field and half of them were completed and the other half were either like really boggled up by the wide receiver. But like, and, people, and no, they, yeah, go they're ahead, not sorry. even... Sorry, my bad. I didn't mean to cut you off. But they're not even looking at that. They're not even watching the deep ball. They're not watching anything. They're just looking at the stats. Hmm, did they lose? Did he have less than 100 uh, passing yards? Okay, I'm going to judge him based off of these this criteria. Yeah, and, and I was going to say, it's this whole narrative that's being creative when, when you actually watch his film. I mean, we're going into the Chiefs game now. The one interception he had was off of a deep ball that was decently placed and went into the arms of the receiver thrown up and picked off that's one of his interceptions on the year a decently placed deep ball and it ends up in an interception and people again are going to hold that stat against him because they don't watch him play um i was on the hertz train too i'll go off track a little bit here but hertz is good but he's really raw and the thing is tua possesses everything that jalen hertz does and then he possesses anticipation awareness and being able to manipulate the defense with his eyes as well as read the defense a little better hertz doesn't have those things hertz has the athleticism of tua and the ability to throw of tua but doesn't have the other great intangibles that you really see in tua this year um i'll go as far as to say that jalen has more athleticism but um just I think the the most glaring thing and the difference between, you know, two and Herbert, two and Jalen, two and any other rookie quarterback is the mechanics. I mean, the way that he can he, he can be outside of the pocket, shift his hip and bam, just pop it. Like that is insane to me. I think I think he can he can benefit from throwing that sidearm because uh something that Herbert can do a lot better is is cock his arm to the side a little bit because he probably had I think he had a lot of batted down balls this season because he's trying to throw over a defender's head Uh in the NFL you you can get away with that in college you can't really get away with that in the NFL because these are are professionals and these are things that they're taught to do put their hands up yeah and like I said to a one of his biggest things is going to be getting over the of the sorry he's going to have to get over the things that he was able to do in college but can't do in the NFL. Um, but, yeah, the Chiefs game overall, Tua looked really good again. He went toe-to-toe with Patrick Mahomes. He had a really good game. He had, like, three, like, elite throws. Like, that one throw to, uh, I think it was Gesicki, 
I don't know if it went for a touchdown, but I think you know what I'm talking about. The one where he lasered it like 30 yards downfield between two defenders. Perfect it was between throw. three defenders. Yeah, perfect throw, elite. And you know what? The thing is, you notice with Tua when you watch him throw, um, if he's like if he's like mechanically sound in the pocket and throwing it downfield, the throw is pretty much always going to be accurate. He's had a few errant throws this year, but if he's set and he's looking at his receiver and he knows where he wants it to go, it's almost always accurate. He's got one of the prettiest spirals uh, and deep balls in the league if you actually watch him play. And it was kind of apparent in the Chiefs game. Like, he looked really good and decisive in the Chiefs game for the most part. Again, the interception was pretty much an asterisk. Um, I think that was actually his first interception of the the year that was recorded. Uh, and it was a, a bullshit interception. Uh, and then I'm, you know all about the Patriots game. Um, the Patriots... I would just like to say for the, for the Chiefs game... Um, Oh man, you were gosh. Maybe lose my train of thought. I was gonna I was gonna say that um Yeah, that was yeah, that was his only intercept that was his first interception up to that point. And he what he went what was his touchdown interception ratio? It was thirteen to five. It was uh, it was eleven to five this year for passes touchdowns to interceptions. And up until that point he had thrown one touchdown, three touchdowns, um, five. He ran for a bunch, though. Oh, yeah, he ran for a couple, too. But passing touchdowns, I think he had, like, seven or eight touchdowns before his first interception. I'll take that all day. I don't know about you. But if they're winning ball games and he's and he's not throwing that many touchdowns, but he's not turning the ball over either, I will take that all day. As not even just a, uh, to a fan, but, like, a uh, – a football fan. I mean, that is you. Even if you're dinking and dunking, you're not turning the ball over, which is, is you can't say for a lot of quarterbacks because guys like uh, Daniel Jones are turning the ball over. You know, at the drop of a dime. I mean, <laughs> Jameis Winston had 30 picks with 30 intercept, uh, 30 touchdowns. That didn't that didn't win them games. That didn't win them games, and that was just it. And that's so, an... go ahead, continue. Sorry, my bad. No, you could, I mean, so I mean that really that really sets the the tone for the ball game. It's like we're not turning this ball over, so you better score on defense, or when you you better score when you have the opportunity to score because you're not getting this ball. Yeah, and I agree, and that's kind of like the appeal of Tua to me is that he doesn't turn the ball over and he plays winning football, but he has the upside to push the ball down the field, and I think that that's something that uh, I guess. Chan Gailey still because that story was redacted and he's not fired anymore. Uh, it was an error by ESPN. I, I redacted. Hon- I honestly think I honestly think that he's <laughs> gonna get fired anyway, and they posted it too early. But uh, whatever. Uh, and I want to talk about the Patriots game just because I want to I want to spew off a few stats. Uh, the Patriots won their previous nine games against starting rookie quarterbacks, uh, dating since 2013, and the Patriots were 13 and 0 against rookie quarterbacks. Um, in Foxborough before Tua. Um, and Tua had lots of bench players. Like, he was throwing at Adam Shaheen and Smythe for the majority of the game. And I, I, I don't know if Parker played in that game or not. Um, was he was he available against the Patriots? I don't... Uh, I believe we were out Eric Flowers, J- uh, Jakeem Grant, Devontae Parker, uh, Calvin Noy, 
trying to and Mike Gesicki. Yeah. Yep, he was thrown to practice squad guys against the Patriots defense, who made Justin Herbert look like a fool with Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. Um, and he he kept the ball safe for the most part. His only interception was like an I'm to a Tagavolia, and in college I could whip this thing into the end zone. But now J.C. Jackson is covering my backup receiver, and he's going to pick it off. It was just him trying to make a play as a rookie. It really wasn't that bad. And other than that, he kept the ball completely safe. He moved them down the field. He chewed the clock up. Um, and I saw many times in that game how Tua was kind of able to improvise um, and play well through improvis- improvisation when his receivers aren't doing anything. And also many times during that game, I saw how... Tua recognized that a deep route was opening up and could throw to it, but was pressured before he could really set his feet and get the ball off and had to improvise. Uh, He had 150 yards and a rushing touchdown, but honestly, against the Patriots, that's like winning the Super Bowl if you're a rookie quarterback. So this game was good. I really liked this game from him. That's like winning the Super Bowl if you're a Miami Dolphins. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) That's that's basically their Super Bowl. They, They played the annual... Okay, the the Patriots won one against us in Foxborough. Now they're gonna lose another one because we've been splitting the season series with them for the last I want to say four years. So uh, that's that's becoming the trend. And <clears throat> to your point, the J.C. Jackson interception, I believe he got drilled on that play. If I'm correct, yeah, he I was mean, getting dragged right down. No, I, I'm pretty sure he he got like mo- like murdered. Like <laughs> he took a big hit and see, that's, that's one of the things I wanted to say before that I uh, kind of forgot to say that a big concern as far as Tua for me is yes, he can stand in there. And yes, if he is mechanically sound, he's going to deliver a great ball. However, him standing in there is the problem. And I, I want him to know the difference between standing in there and then protecting himself and then just standing in there, delivering a strike and getting blasted. Because, I mean, there was a few scary hits. You know, you're watching these games, you're holding your breath because he's coming off of major hip surgery, you know, 13 months ago. You know, hit, you know, hip problems that, that ended careers for Bo Jackson and such. Like, these, this, no, no joke. And even drafting him at number five had the Dolphins and the front office kind of worried. So, that was one thing that I really, really want him to work on or just, you know, I want to see better improvement from it as far as taking hits. But, yeah, I mean, if he stands in there, it's going to be a laser. Yeah. No, and he's just yeah. – you're right. He's got to protect himself because he is a little – he does have a thinner frame, um, and he did have that hip surgery. So he does need to learn to protect himself uh, along with knowing what he can get away with doing. Um, we we all know what Tua needs to fix, but honestly – uh, continuing on going into the Raiders game. This is, I, I found up into this point, like you could, it's funny to watch social media because up until this point, even after Fitzpatrick came in against the Broncos, the, the media outlook for Tua was good. Like people were like, oh wow, Tua is a good rookie quarterback. Maybe he's the best rookie quarterback. And then the Raiders game comes. And this is the second time Tua was yanked for Fitz. Um, and this is very similar to the Broncos game actually where, Tua was being pressured practically the entire game and no one was getting separation. And uh, based on what he was asked to do, he was in empty formation for most of the game. You know this, you watched. But for people who don't, he was in empty formation for most of the game. Um, But when he would drop back, 
uh, people would either be completely covered or an offensive lineman would blow an assignment or not block properly. And when Tua had time to make the throw, he took what the defense gave him and made the proper decision. Uh, he drilled it to, I think it was Parker, for a first down. He improvised and scrambled for a first down when he could. Did everything that he could. It, it, just nothing was getting open for him. But people look at the stat sheet and see, oh, it's the third time Tua's thrown for less than 100 yards and he got benched for Fitz. Um and then they think he'd played bad, but really things just didn't open up until Fitz got in there. And I think it's just very, very coincidental. And also Fitz is a vet. So he kind of knows NFL defenses a little better. Uh, so he can do a little bit more manipulation pre-snap, but uh, the narrative again was really skewed in the Raiders game where it was just two. It was just getting beat up and no one was getting open. And, but this is where the narrative officially shifts from, Tua is a good rookie quarterback to maybe we should be concerned about Tua, but I don't really think you should be. He's a rookie. I I think a little bit falls on, do they think Fitz is a better leader? And I feel like they thought that Fitz was a better leader in that situation. And not, I mean, yeah, like you said, once they put Fitz in, it kind of, you know, kind of gave them the spark they needed. However, I I mean, you want to look, take a look at what Tua, uh, Fits through. He threw a little in route and that that went what thirty seven yards, or however many sixty seven yeah. yards or whatever, however many yards it went. I mean, you can't really make that stuff up. And then uh, he throws an incredible hail mary. I mean, he's not really doing anything that's you know uh, amazing, but they think he's a better leader. And I understand where, where the Dolphins front organ uh, front office or head coach or that direction. I understand that thought process, but at the same time, you got to let the look, the rookie learn, you know, you have to let him sit in there and you have to let him get beat up. If he's going to get beat up, what that would have been his second loss. I believe so. And you're going to pull him. Why? For what? Just let him learn. Like short term, and even then, I, I found that funny because it's like the Dolphins are on pace to win ten or eleven games. And yes, you want to make the playoffs, but like you know, realistically, you are not winning the Super Bowl this year. You have a good defense, but your offense has problems, and you're technically still rebuilding. They know they're not going anywhere in the playoffs. Why not just ride it out with Tua and let him learn? Because Tua is getting benched in important learning moments for a rookie. You're taking away things that he could learn that would benefit you in the long run just so you can win now with Fitzy. And even then, I, I'll disagree with you on one thing. I do think that one the, the Fitzmagic face mask throw down the field, I thought that was insanity. But yeah, before that, it was just nothing that Tua couldn't do was done in that drive. But the Fitzy throw, I thought, was pretty cool. Uh, I, I guess it worked, but I mean, like, you don't really need it to work. You're, you're technically a rebuilding team with a rookie quarterback who needs to learn. Um, but yeah, other than that, I just think the Raiders game, again, kind of skewed the perception of Tua uh, in a really crappy way because it's mostly not true. Um, I I think also another big thing as far as game planning goes, because you were talking about the kind of set that they were in during empty which, you know, that's kind of Tua's game. And they were, um, you know, they were blitzing him all night. But one thing specifically that point that, you know, that I really saw that stood out was the average yards of separation, right? And Miami's 
Miami wide receivers had the lowest the lowest rate of separation between wide receivers and cornerbacks in the entire league the entire season. That is something that needs to change. That needs to change however you're going to do it through the free agency, through the draft, however you're going to do it. That is a problem, and you can't expect a veteran quarterback to make those plays. How are you going to expect a rookie quarterback to make those plays? And I think what was being asked was kind of unfair, and the media was was cherry-picking stats. Oh, he only had 94 yards when he got pulled. Yeah, well, he was 17 for 22. Can you talk about that? How about that? He whether he Whether he threw a pick or not, whether he threw a touchdown or not, he was 17 for 22. I mean, he's not turning the ball over. He's doing what he's asked. But when you have 1.85 yards of separation average, that's average, of the top two targets, that's horrible. And you're not throwing that open. like. And, and again, 17 for 22 is good for what was given to him. And every empty set formation, he had a tight end kind of streaking down the field, uh, a few receivers running crossers or like intermediate routes. None of them were open. What do you want him to do? Do you want him to like force it and get picked off just because he is nervous that the media is going to say he can't throw it deep? Uh, and if I'm too, I don't want to throw it deep to a receiver getting 0.2 yards of separation either because um, he hasn't had that much success with it because of his receivers this season. And I think just the Raiders game is just a, again, like I've been saying, a, just a shitty representation of, of Tua because he, he did what he could that game. He did everything he like that you would ask a rookie quarterback to do and still if got you, if, shit on. If you want to talk about forcing it, I mean, I, I mean, he had, he had 20% rate of aggressive throws. So every one out of every five passes was an aggressive throw or a, Forced throw, but he ranked sixth among all quarterbacks in aggressive throw percentage rank. So I mean, he he was doing his job. I mean, they wanted him to to throw him open, and they were throwing him open. You can't make this stuff up. Like it feels like there's an excuse for every you know for every narrative about Tua, and you know it feels like you have to kind of defend him, but in reality. It's not really it's not really a matter of trying to defend him. It's just like, okay, this is what he had to work with from the beginning. But you guys are only talking about this. So now we have to try to, you know, kind of shift the focus a little bit and say, hey, what about all this other stuff that happened? You know, and it's it feels like excuses. And uh, and he, whether either way, he well, he finished six and three as a starter. Yeah. I'll take that all day. Because you put that over what? That's nine games. If you average that out over seventeen or sixteen games, just add another nine. Let's let's just say another nine for for shits and giggles. That's uh, twelve and six. I that's, believe I will take that all day. All twelve day long. and six. So it'd be he would he would go about eleven and five. Uh, if it was right. a if it was a. 16 game season and that's like good with the team he has around him but yeah i agree with you this raiders game doesn't really highlight what's wrong with tua kind of highlights what people think is wrong with tua um so i found it interesting and then the bills game was just the cherry on top for everything i'll go through what i saw this game for you and you can agree or disagree with me whatever you want um it was kind of in the beginning actually no this is a later stat but it was in the beginning of what i was watching 
Uh, he actually had a great pass to Devontae Parker. It was like about 20 yards down the field. Uh, he knows Devontae Parker's not getting any separation, but he know, knows Parker doesn't need any separation. He throws a perfect pass where only Devontae Parker can go up and get it. And, but no one talked about it because they were down by 30. Everyone turned the game off by that point. His first interception would have been a completion, but then his receiver fell, and of course Norman picked it off and ran it back for six. Um, his second interception... Um, I believe, I don't know which one came first, uh, whether the tipped one or just the bad throw, but I know that out of the next two interceptions, one of them was just slightly high, and so the receiver went up to go try and get it and tipped it in the air, and it got picked off by a safety or the nickel, um, and it's honestly rare if they get tipped like that. They usually just fall to the side, uh, but it got picked off, uh, and then the last one was kind of just like, I'm trying to heave this down the field. Um, and it sailed on him because he was desperate and just trying to get it down the field, and the safety picked it off. And people will dog him for that, but he was down by 30 points. Hurts did the same thing, and no one said anything about it because it's Jalen Hurts, and he's their darling. But this is literally the... He threw more interceptions in this game than he did for the throughout the first eight games. But this is what people are going to remember him for because it's the last game of the season. And one of the interceptions one was, wasn't his fault. The second one was rare, and the third one was down 30 points. Um... There's 11 drops, according to Dolphins fans, this game, but I'll, I'll go with it because I saw them dropping a, a crap ton of passes. Uh, the play calling was, again, kind of pretty conservative until things got out of hand, and even then, it was you knew Changeli was calling it for Tua. Um, he definitely had his fair share of blame in the game uh, with the interceptions. Some of them were just bad throws, but he was a rookie down 30 points with his team not playing very good at all, and people acted like the game was entirely his fault when you could see problems all over the team. And this game's just the epitome of people trying to, to pin things on him when he's just... And people forget he's a rookie, too. I think that was probably his only bad loss of the season. Yeah. And I think he was pretty off that game. Yeah, two of them... Two of the picks weren't his fault, but, you know, he did miss a few intermediate passes, which you you really can't say much of. He missed some short passes, even on the bubbles. I mean, he missed a few times. Maybe he was just throwing it to, you know, because sometimes he does that. He has this crazy awareness where he'll throw the ball in the direction of the receiver, but he'll purposely miss as to not hurt the the the, the, uh, the receiver because I've seen that happen on more than one occasion where he's throwing a, a – the running back in the flat and he just throws it to the ground so that he doesn't get popped by the nickel or the linebacker or whoever's coming up to pop him. But, um, you know, I think that, you know, it's, it's, it stresses me out to talk about it because <laughs> you're right. It's all he's going to be remembered for. But, um, <laughs> that defense gave up 56 points and, the Dolphins all year didn't really score more than, what, 25 to 28 points? Well, the defense gave up 49. Tua gave up 7, if we're going to be fair. But 49 points is still a lot of points, especially against Mac Barkley and backups. That is very true. That is very true. Okay, that's on me. And they also gave up a, a punt return, too. So Yeah. But still, but, um, yeah, even, yeah. even if we take those away, that's 42 points. Like, that's bad. That's horrible, and you can't win a game doing that. And I, you know, being in that position from the jump to down twenty-eight to six at half. I mean, uh, you know, I, mean, I, I, I want to say, I want to say that 
it was the defense fault, but I want I really want to pin this on Chan Gailey the most because those two drives should have been touchdowns. If you watched those two drives, I mean, we we settled for sick. We settled for two, uh, three points each time because we were we failed to be aggressive, and when we were aggressive, you know, he threw some picks. Not only that, but the punt return that that game at that point, if you take away those. Those mistakes, that's a 21 to 14 game going into halftime. And one of those one of those plays was an offside in which Nick Needham decided to take a playoff and hit and Josh Allen hit Isaiah McKenzie in the back of the end zone and Nick Needham got burnt for the third time. So, I mean, you know, I there's a lot of things that go into it. There's a ton that goes into it, but uh you know, I don't really have too much to say for that because it's going to be the same thing for for every – you can make the case for every game that they lost. And um, I think things really, really collapsed as far as team morale. And they didn't feel like they had Fitzpatrick to back them up. So it's like, hey, what's the point of playing? You sound so stressed out talking about this. It's so funny. You know, I, I'm I'm a lifelong Dolphins fan, but I'm I'm a objective I'm an objective a, uh, analyst, and when I when I take a look at these games, I'm saying okay, now I love Tua, but that was bad. That was objectively bad. Okay, like he's not he made a lot of mistakes. Yeah, um, no, I agree. He was he was objectively bad that game. But my point was, although he made several bad mistakes. It's just the epitome of people that are going to blame the whole thing on Tua when really Tua looked worse because the people around him also didn't play well. And, and that's to, unfortunate. And for me to make excuses or for you to make excuses about any of this kind of just proves their point. Yep. You know, and it, it, it is, it, you know, they're going to say what they want to say, but at the end of the day, we know that Tua is probably gonna be have a solid career if he can stay healthy he's gonna be fine man he was starting to isaiah ford and jakeem grant this season like i didn't even know who isaiah ford was until you told me that that was a receiver that the dolphins had and i watch a lot of football um he he's had no weapons in multiple games he's had bad offensive line play he's had drops did you know that like none of the dolphins receivers are top 20 in any dvoa wide receiver statistic this year none I think maybe Jakeem Krant is like 18th in like, I, not, I don't even know what the stat was, but I just know that every Dolphins receiver was like a bottom tier receiver in every DVOA statistic this year. I'll rattle off a few stats that um, they had to deal with. The, the passing offense was actually better ranked by DVOA, 18th passing offense, 23rd rushing offense. Uh, the Dolphins leading rusher had less than 600 yards. Um... Well, there's some more stats here. Um, receivers with 10 to 49 receptions on the Dolphins were all bottom tier and catch rate on DVOA. Uh, Tua has only thrown the ball 20 yards down the field on 9.1% of his dropbacks, uh, which honestly points to a broader issue with play calling, which we went through about Chan Gailey. Um, when Tua, I wrote this one down. When Tua isn't desperately trying to erase a 30-point deficit against the Bills or under ridiculous pressure, he's pretty accurate uh, from intermediate to deep throws. Um, Jakeem Grant, Isaiah Ford, Lynn Bowden are not good number two options. Those are who some of Tua's excellent options this year. 
Um, Devontae Parker was also banged up for half this year, and he was a top receiver, and he wasn't even top 40 in any DVOA receiving statistic. Um, and other than that, yeah, he's just going to learn that the NFL isn't like college for some things. But over overall, I, I don't think that the majority of this really falls on Tua, and people tend to forget that he's a rookie quarterback. He's a rookie quarterback playing in the NFL, and the only reason, this is my opinion, he's getting judged this harshly, is because Justin Herbert is in the league right now with 31 touchdowns. And also another stat is uh, Dolphins wide receivers dropped seven passes of 10-plus yards, which is at least 70 yards. Yeah, that's insane. How do you drop 10? Or you drop seven passes of of 10-plus yards. So that's anywhere from 70 yards to, I mean, honestly, if, if, you know, if something happens, that's that's easily a hundred. You're, you're losing a hundred yards just based off of drops. I mean, and I mean he already had three hundred yards passing. <laughs> but you know th- these are these are mistakes that they're they're not going to look at. You know they're going to look at Tua and they're going to grade individually. And I feel like you can't really grade quarterbacks individually. You have to be right. objective with quarterbacks. It, they, you know the passer rating system. Uh, what, 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 do you know what his passer rating for that uh, Bills game was? It probably got hurt by the the three interceptions. It was like a threw. sixty-two, even with the interceptions. I've seen quarterbacks with three interceptions have like a twenty passer rating. It wasn't that wow. horrible. Wow, that so. was his worst game by far. Every other game this season, he before the Bills game, six and two, um, two interceptions. I think I believe it was ten touchdowns, but passing and then rush touchdowns to go along with it. Ninety plus passer rating, um, limited turnovers overall. He was he was a good player, but you know what the problem is, and this will go into our next segment, um, which I'll mostly ask you to talk about to, to draw the comparisons. But the reason people are kind of treating Tua so harshly is because he's in a league where Justin Herbert was drafted in the same year as him, who threw 31 touchdown passes and broke Colts and rookie QB records. Uh, If he wasn't in the same class as Justin Herbert, people wouldn't be coming down on him so hard. But he is, and that's where that comes in. And I want to hear what what you would, uh, your comparisons would be with Tua and Herbert and even Burrow. Uh, and hurts and what you think about overall those four guys in comparison to each other uh unfortunately you know we didn't really get to see too much of burrow um it kind of stunk because you know i was really looking forward to it but i i just want to say this the chargers won seven games okay the chargers won seven games and the dolphins won 10 games now that should mean something right because the the Chargers were eliminated far before or the Dolphins the Dolphins were eliminated, right? That should mean something. And the fact that that doesn't mean something, it means that there's really a shift going on, right? Because in a league where where Herbert is shattering passing yards and passing uh, completions and touchdown records. But he's not winning games. I mean, before their four-game win streak at the end of the win- at the end of the season, when they were already kind of eliminated, uh, he had like two wins. He had like two wins. Like that's not winning football. But he's shattering records, so it's okay. And I feel like that shouldn't be okay. And I feel like you know, 
and no matter how many records he breaks, he's going to become a Jameis Winston if he doesn't start winning football games. Now, they, they do have some coaching issues, so I will let that slide. But uh, the the Herbert Tua comparison isn't really a comparison we can make just yet because, you know, we're talking about two rookies that were drafted that have zero camp experience, that have zero preseason experience that were thrown into games and say into into bad franchises that were said hey go win and you know shout out to Justin Herbert I'm not taking anything away from Herbert winning seven games but uh, you know two of one two of one uh one six six of them out of out of nine I think out of nine so and Herbert uh, won seven out of 15, which I agree right. with you on objectively. But I will say, I'll go off your statement before I share mine. Uh, I do agree that winning should be valued a lot more at this level. But I will say in defense of Herbert, Herbert put them into position to win probably three more games than they did win. And either clock management by Lynn, um, the kicker, or the defense sold the game. Uh the kicker sold the game against the Saints. The defense, even though Herbert didn't look amazing against the Broncos, the Broncos are a very underrated defense, and Herbert put up, like, 28 points against the Broncos. He put them in a position to win. All the defense had to do was stop Drew Locke, who's having one of the worst statistical seasons out of any quarterback. And the defense let Drew Locke light them up and drag it down uh, to a two-minute drive and win the game on one throw. Um... Anthony Lynn, I can't think of the specific games, but there was at least two games where his clock management ruined a chance of them winning a game. I think the Chargers lost like seven or eight games by one possession, and Herbert played 15 games. So unfortunately for him, he's on an overall franchise that is poor, but he has done his part in winning. And I do think a Jameis Winston comparison is a little harsh. I think Herbert's season's better than any season Jameis Winston's ever had. I think if Herbert was a little less like smart in terms of reading defenses he would be compared to Jameis Winston but ironically if he doesn't start winning football games he'll probably just become another Philip Rivers in terms of wow he put up a lot of great stats every year but he never won anything uh which I agree but that I think more so falls on the Chargers than Herbert because Herbert played good but what I'll say comparing Tua and Herbert because people like to force that comparison is that it's kind of easy to sit back and say you know it's funny, Justin Herbert's literally breaking rookie QB records. Of course he's better than Tua, uh, as your face value take. But I think, however, after watching the Dolphins' offense extensively, it's clear we need to see Tua and at least a similarly talented offense to Herbert, um, as well as an offense that actually challenges defense like Herbert's offense did, before we can come to a conclusion to say, who's the better quarterback? Um but other than that, I think we kind of covered the main comparison. The Hurts comparison, I think, is just silly. Tua played way better than Hurts did this year. Uh, and the Burrow comparison isn't fair because Burrow tore his ACL. And I was really, really upset about Burrow tearing his ACL because I said it was going to happen at the beginning of the year. I said, if you drop him back and don't get the ball out of his hands quickly and just beat him into the ground, he's going to get hurt. And that's what happened. And it pisses me off. Let's not forget, though, before Tua's hip injury, he was, like, the highest-rated prospect that, you know, the league had seen in a while. And then when he when he tore, you know, when he when he broke his hip, compacted, you know, you know, combined with Burrow's amazing college football season. I mean, 
amazing season. You know, it, it was really hard to pass up on, on you know, uh, Burrow number one and Herbert, I think, number three. But uh, Herbert was uh, seventh. Two and one for seventh. Herbert. Right, right. Two and one for Herbert. I'm sorry. Yeah, you're right. But oh, don't worry about in, it. In, a, in a world where Tua does not break his hip, he's easily the number one overall draft prospect. Well, Tanker Tua was the whole thing. Like for that like was the year. entire like, last year. Last year, uh, Bengals versus Dolphins. The, it was like the tank for Tua Bowl. Yeah, like you know, and people forget that because they had such you know the 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 Tua broke his hip, and it kind of like derailed him. And I think he was a steal in the draft at number five, being able to win four games. That's a that's a that's that's a great coaching move, but we're not going to talk about that right now. <laughs> I think I think it's really funny because Burrow was the one who broke his hip, and Tua was the one that went first overall to the Bengals. The same, they would be saying the, it would be pretty similar, and people would be saying things about Burrow on the Dolphins that they would be about Tua on the Bengals. Uh, they'd be like, "Oh, Tua has no weapons; he's on the Bengals." Boo hoo! And wow, wow, look at Burrow on the Dolphins. Sure, he can win games, but he can't throw it deep because Burrow would be in Changeli's offense too. But people just pin it on the person rather than the situation. And I think people need to evaluate situations more in football um, than they do, Uh, especially as a meme page. Trust me, I know best. People call me a casual every day, and it's really disheartening sometimes because it's like my page is solely just a bait and make people laugh. It's not that serious. But people think that's my opinion. Um, But, yeah. I do want to point out something, though. They actually brought Chan Gailey in for Tua. They brought Channel Gailey in to try and channel that RPO style, and that that was really Tua's game, if you want to say. I, I'm saying game like as a light term because uh-huh. it, it it yes it worked in college, but those are against college defenses and college players. So I think Tua is is NFL ready as far as scheme is concerned. But they really took a step back and said, hey, let's try to play to what, you know, he's good at or what he's been doing. But that doesn't really work with normal NFL defenses. And I feel like that was kind of the lapse in communication when it came to Tua. It was really, it's a really simple and shallow looking scheme when you watch the games. It's kind of unfortunate because you see how much more complex other offenses are. But, um, yeah, uh, I do want to talk about, I'll just ask you to to go off on this uh because we've already kind of covered it throughout this little segment we've been doing but what do you think overall about the whole fitzy versus Tua debate like what how would you put that to rest is it like a Tua fan um well i am a big fitzpatrick fan too uh, i love fitzy i i think he's awesome but i you know i love from the moment that the dolphins put Tua in the game and you know, uh week four week five I was ecstatic because I knew it was the right move and I knew it was the right thing to do. And I think, you know, Fitzpatrick has done his job. He's done his job. But now with an entire season going by and Tua learning what he needs to learn, not that he's not, not that he's done learning, but because we could always keep Fitzpatrick around, but I don't want Fitzpatrick to hinder the success of Tua by keeping someone in the back of his mind. And I know it kind of like, it's one of those things where, oh, you know, it's competition. But really, you're hurting, you're hurting, you know, the young rookie's confidence. If you feel like he needs that crutch, 
then, you know, he's going to – I don't think he's going to perform to the best of his ability. And I think he did it. I think Tua did his job. I think Fitzpatrick did his job. I think there was lapse in judgment by both the OC, the head coach, and upper management as far as, you know, what the situation was. And the fact that it was never clearly defined up until the latter half of the season was a problem. They said, hey, two is the starter, and then they yank him out. Oh, we need a spark. That doesn't happen in the NFL, and that doesn't happen for a good reason. I think that Tua, I think that Tua will be just fine. Uh, I think Fitzpatrick has had a great career, but you know, if we want to keep him around, he needs to have a, a defined role as a backup quarterback. Meaning, you come in when you know you Tua you come hurt. in. When, yeah, Tua gets hurt. That's it. There's that's it. Or if they're down by thirty or up by thirty, there's no there's no other answer, and that's what a, a starting quarterback needs to do. And the and the reason that is is for leadership, because if you if you're keeping Fitzpatrick on the roster and saying that he's the better leader, then Tua's never going to be that leader. Yeah, I I, I totally agree with you. I think that next year they need to clearly define Fitzpatrick's role as a backup in order to put the whole narrative to rest. And it really does something to your head, even if even if you know that you know the intentions for Fitzpatrick are good they're just trying to provide a spark when you know you're the starting quarterback and someone's coming back in and and kind of taking your 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 kind of clout from you I guess it 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 sticks in the back of your mind no matter what you say you can say people are tough as they want to be but no matter who you are if you're a starting quarterback and someone does that to you you're going to remember it um but yeah I think we pretty much covered two of the games um the comparisons to rookie quarterbacks and the kind of Fitz versus Tua debacle uh, what do you think the Dolphins are going to do draft-wise? Or what do, what do we think that they're going to do draft-wise? Uh, personally, uh, you know, I've never really been a fan of taking a wide receiver top three, top five, or wherever you want to take them. Um, first round is cool, but I love what the Dolphins did last year. They traded down, got some capital throughout, the, throughout each round. And um, I think that they're going to trade down again this year because they don't need the third pick in the draft because if they're getting Devontae Smith, who is, what, who is, you know, either Jamar Chase or Devontae Smith, I think they'll be happy with. And even if they don't get either of those guys at a lower position, um, I can see them getting Amari Rodgers in the second round. You know, I don't – this is not one of the deeper wide receiver classes. And isn't Waddle available too? He's pretty good. Yeah, I mean, this isn't one of the deepest wide receiver classes, but there's enough there to where you can trade down, find some some depth offensively, and still get you know still have enough capital to trade. Because I I I would really like to see us trade for a big name within the draft. I would really like to see us trade for a big name within the draft. Whether that whether that means trading one of our first rounds or one of our second rounds, we have. Four picks in the first two rounds, okay? So you can afford uh, you it, know. right? Because we had the seventh mo- most cap space, but if we're, if we're gonna get some stars, because think about it, if we get if we draft rookies, we have to develop rookies. We are in win now mode. I feel like we have kind of turned the corner already on the rebuild. We're already ahead of schedule, so why not win now? Why not buy in? 
yeah, you can draft a rookie wide receiver, but why not go get that star? Why not go get that proven NFL star who's, who you know is going to make those plays? Because that's what we need. We were banking on Isaiah Ford, and we were banking on Lynn Bowden, a rookie, to try and get us wins and try and make plays for us. Why? For what? Well, uh, I'll mostly agree with you on that because if you look at the free agent class this year of wide receivers, uh, not, not even trade, Allen Robinson, Kenny Galladay, Chris Godwin, those are all guys that you can sign and have an immediate impact. Now, I did say this. I did say if you're the Dolphins, this is my opinion. I, I'm just Jamar Chase is insane. He's he's ridiculous. I said just take a good receiver. I said I don't care if you trade down for more capital or stay put and take Chase. Just take a receiver because, uh, unfortunately, in free agency you never know where guys are going to go. Uh, but you can guarantee that you get a good receiver, and I think that that's the big biggest need for the Dolphins right now. I think that it, even if they can't trade down from the third pick, taking Jamar Chase that high is not going to be bad because that's their biggest need if they can't trade down. But they most likely will, and I think if they trade down, they still should take a receiver. I also think that they should look for an RB in the first and second round too if they can, and they're not trading down for draft capital. They should use at least one of their first four top picks on a running back because... You don't want to pay a running back in free agency ever. I'm a Packers fan. I love Aaron Jones, and he's a great player. I know he's going to be available, but you don't pay someone like that. Like It rarely works out. There's like two instances I've seen it work out so far, Derrick Henry being one of them. Um, you get a guy like Najai Harris, Etienne. Um, I think, uh, I, who's the guy? I think from Memphis is pretty good too. You get one of those guys, and they'll really help your offense out because right now you just have a bunch of committee guys. But you need a wide receiver. You need a running back. If you can't find a running back, you go offensive line depth. And then from there, you just work down um, and fill out your defensive and offensive holes and later in the draft because that's really what you're doing later in the draft. But I think in free agency, you at least need to address wide receiver and offensive line uh, at least depth-wise. Like, there's guys out there... I'll read some names. Joe Thune's available. Taylor Moten's available. Um, and again, I said Galladay, Godwin, uh, and Robinson. I think you guys should get A-Rob, personally. He's literally perfect for Tua. He's so good at running after the catch. Uh, and he's also really good at just getting the football. Uh, he's just an amazing talent. I mean, look what he's done with Trubisky and Bortles. I, I think if you get him and then draft some offensive talent... Because you already have the defense. All you need to do is tool up your offense for Tua because you have a quarterback who can execute with your defense. Now all you need to do is work your offense. You work through your offense in the offseason, uh, which I think is what the Dolphins are going to do, and I think you guys are like set to compete for the division because that's a good team. I think I think as far as wide receiver goes, I, I definitely, like you said, I, I'm on board for drafting a wide receiver, whether we get in the second round or in the first round. But if we're going to get in the first round, we're probably going to try and go for Devontae Smith because mm -hmm. that Alabama connection. Um, and he'll be available I, a lot later than Chase, I think. Right. And I think I think the biggest need for us, like overall, and, and I feel like this is kind of is under the radar, we need size. Like, our, you guys are small. We are very, we are a very, very small team all around, and I think that, you know, having a a, a tall wide receiver, a big wide receiver, is really, really key for us. And we've been linked to a ton 
of wide receivers. And yeah, you mentioned a few good ones in, in free agency, but you know, we've also been linked to Juju who's, a, who's going to be a free agent. I'm pretty sure. Um, we've also been linked to a Julio Jones trade and, and uh, we've been linked to Aaron Jones, who's a big back, you know, like we, we, we need size. And I think, you know, coming off of this season, seeing that size really matters because, Ooh, no homo. Uh, <laughs> Jakeem Grant, you know, five foot six. He's hurt every game. You know, Gaskin's that's, pretty that's short apparent. too. Gaskin's pretty short. I, I like Gaskin. I think Gaskin needs to. He's stay. a great depth back, and right. good character but, too. But Savan Ahmed is what five foot eight. I think at five most foot five seven. foot nine. Like, yeah, I mean, like we're and he's. I mean, he's. Small. I mean, I mean we've you got could just some look really, at really small pieces. You could just look at the Dolphins' offense and see how small they are. I remember watching film today, and I'm like, oh my god, these guys are so short. Even two is short. Yeah, but I mean, it's whatever. Uh, short quarterbacks are kind of like becoming the thing in the NFL now, so I think it's okay. Well, speaking of of sport, short quarterbacks, do you think Tua has uh, Russell Wilson ceiling? Uh, I would definitely, if I had to make a comparison, it would be Tua simply because he's great with intermediate passes and he's a really good improviser. And that's what Russell Wilson does best. He improvises, but he looks down the field. And that's what Tua can do if they allow him to. Because in the empty sets I've seen him play where he scrambles around, he's always looking down the field, but he's good at it and he's good at handling pressure. So yeah, I'd say that's like the ceiling for Tua would be like, and that's like a lofty ceiling, but like, yeah, if Tua has a ceiling, it's probably Russell Wilson. Great improviser, good arm, can throw all over the field. Super Bowl champion. That's that's for sure. And, you know, uh, Tua's a, a born winner. I mean, he he's I think he's lost more games with the Dolphins than, you know, than his I, – I don't know if that's true, but, you know, he didn't lose very much in high school. He didn't lose very much in college. And, you know, he he's a winner, bro. And, and he's got national championships – to prove it and i think that he's gonna one day bring whatever team he brings whether it's the dolphins or any other team i hope it's the dolphins i think he's gonna bring them a super bowl i agree uh well i don't know if i agree about the super bowl part but i do agree that two is a winner i mean he came in in front of eighty thousand people with no experience whatsoever in alabama and threw like a 50 yard strike for a touchdown it was insanity i remember watching it live and i'm like holy shit who is this kid uh but it was fun to watch when it happened. Uh, anyways, I think we're probably going to about wrap it up here. Um, I just want to ask your final thoughts on Tua after I provide mine. Uh, for me, I said, uh, for a rookie QB whose offensive coordinator was pretty resistant to letting him control what was going on and pushing the ball down the field, uh, and an oft-injured number one receiver and kind of crappy weapons, uh, and people being pretty harsh on him because Justin Herbert exists, um, and the fact that many rookie QBs don't look amazing their first season and Tua played well, um, that fact of the matter is, is that Tua had a pretty decent rookie season. Uh, and he also has the intangibles and mindset to improve. Yeah, he has the base intangibles like awareness, anticipation, poise in the pocket that are really hard to teach. Um, and I think that that looks good for next season. And I think he could look completely different next year if they get some more talent around him uh his strengths for me are intermediate passing awareness 
defensive manipulation, which I didn't mention much, he moves people around with his eyes very well, which is something I love about Josh Allen this year that he can do. I had to mention him once. I'm sorry. Um, but Tua, Tua does this where, where he kind of moves his eyes around, but he's not actually looking to throw there. He's just moving the defense. And it's a really underrated skill that not many rookie quarterbacks possess. Uh, and he's poised under pressure. His weaknesses, although it's in part to the offense, are aggression a little bit. But like you said, uh, one in five of his throws are going to be aggressive throws. But I still think that um, it's hard to tell when you watch him. So he could improve that. Uh, understanding what he can get away with at an NFL level compared to college. Uh, cleaning up his mechanics when he's trying to heave it down the field. Because I saw a few times when he got desperate, like in the Bills games. Just needs to calm himself down. Um that's pretty much it. That's what I thought about Tua's season. Way better than people are giving him credit for now that they've watched him against the Bills and Raiders. As far as Tua's season's concerned, one thing is clear. Uh, you know, he's a star. You know, anywhere he goes, he's a star. And I think he'll be fine next year. Yes, you're right. They do, they do need some talent. But he still has room to grow. And I think as long as he's growing... I mean, he can very well end up throwing to practice squad receivers next year, but I think he'll do, improve because that's what he does. He improves, he gets better, he he learns, and he's always in the playbook. And, you know, he's one of the most humble kids, you know, I've ever seen. And he's very, very poised in the pocket. He's very aware. And, you know, I feel like his, his personality really translates to the game. Yeah, he's not super aggressive, but – that that also translates to him not turning the ball over. He doesn't get worked up very often, and when he does, he does make some mistakes. But overall, I mean, he's he's really really poised. He's really really calm, cool, and collected, and he's got his stuff together. And I think another year of development, and we could be seeing a Pro Bowler potentially. You know, another year of development. With new weapons, we could see more than 10 wins. We could see a division title change. You never know. But ultimately, I think uh, Tua, Tua is going to have the Dolphins you know, in a really, really good spot for a while. All right. Well, he does have a good head on his shoulders. Anyways, I think that about wraps it up for tonight. So, guys, that was uh, – at- my first podcast, Canadian Cutler, that was uh, NFL Up North's first episode ever. Uh, thank you, Zay, for coming on and talking about Tua with me and what's up with him. Uh, hopefully we can get you on again in the future. Uh, thanks for joining us.